The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Jesse with Behind Enemy Lines for Boston College Week. I'm here with AJ Black of Locked On Boston College. AJ, how are you doing tonight, man? Sam, it's great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I have to ask, who is the dog in your picture? That's my dog, Harper. Uh, she is a pit bull mix that's 14 years old. She's an old dog. Um, wow. Yeah. 14. The owner of a uh, pit bull mix as well. So Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, big fan of those. So we're going to talk all about Boston College, their rivalry with Virginia Tech, two teams that I, I believe actually since Virginia Tech joined the Big East, Virginia Tech has played Boston College more than any other team in the country, even more than UVA. That's you can believe that. So team a little bit off the field. AJ, first off, I'll ask you, what is your connection to Boston College and why do you love it so much? So I, I have a, I have a long connection with BC. Um, I graduated there. I got my master's there. Um, I was Matt Ryan's RA at one point point. <laughs> um, and Jared Dudley. So I've had some pretty famous people that lived in my building. Um, I ended up working there after I got out of grad school. Um, I got married there. I've done, I mean, I've, I was a season t- until I had kids. I was a season ticket holder for, forever and had tailgates and all that good stuff. Um, and then I turned my love of BC into like my side hustles. My, you know, I obviously have another career, but this is what I enjoy doing. I love BC sports so much, um, which is crazy living in a town like Boston. I lived in here during, you know, multiple Super Bowls, multiple world series, all the, you know, everyone knows that. Right. Um, but I, I still rooted for the team that was, you know, two, two and 10, and uh, some really lean years. And now I cover it and it, it's, I don't know. I just, it, it's an ability for me to, to express my passion um, in a way that I, that get finds other fans that feel the same way. And at a school like BC, where there isn't a lot of people that cover it the way I do. Um, and, and I mean, I'm like the only podcast out there that does this daily. Other people try it and they give up after like three weeks. Um it's just, it's just my niche. It's like, it's like something I I've done this for years now. And I still feel passionate doing the, the work that I do. I was going to ask when I was driving home from work, I, I was thinking about like, all right, what are questions like Boston specific? And I just think of Boston as so much of a pro sports town and not yep. just pro sports, but some of the biggest brands in professional sports in the world, like the new England Patriots, the Boston Celtics, even the Bruins. And in, in there you have, one school that's one of a large handful of small private schools in Boston, Boston carve its way or Boston college, excuse me, carve its way in the Boston sports landscape. Cause it is a very, very crowded field. It's, it's tough because, you know, even when BC back, I mean, back in 2007, 2008, when they had those wars with Virginia tech, like 
even then BC really wasn't carving much out of the landscape. Like they were still, you know, not selling out tickets. They still weren't getting, you know, cover the globe, things like that. It's got to go back to winning. BC's got to win and they've got to get exciting football out there. That's going to catch attention. Um, And they've got to win at a high level, right? Like they can't, you know, if they go like seven and five, that's winning, but it's not really winning. They've got to go and like, you know, if they finished off the season going nine and three and win a bowl game, then people are going to look at them like, whoa, they're 10 and three this year and they're probably going to be top 25. There's a lot of work they got to do there, but that kind of thing is going to have to happen. Um, and it's, it's intriguing right now because you have, you know, the biggest player in BC history is Doug Flutie, um, who won the Heisman in 84, 84, I think it is. Um, and he was a 5'10 quarterback, or he's shorter than that, 5'7. I, I've met him, he's shorter than me. <laughs> um, but he had a huge effect on BC. They were playing at Foxborough Stadium because they, they were selling out BC, you know, Alumni Stadium so early. And you see a guy like Thomas Castellanos come in, and he's obviously not perfect and he's not Doug Flutie, but he takes over and wins games and he's exciting. And some of the game, like the game he had against Florida state, if he won that, like, you know, they lost by two points and it wasn't his fault. Um, you we're, we're looking at a whole different team right now. And he, he brings an energy that BC has not had in a long time. So a guy like that, um, if he continues to, he's going to develop a lot, but if he continues to develop, I could see him getting a lot of attention and bringing some excitement to the program. Yeah, I, I uh, Cleveland, Ohio, or outside Cleveland, Ohio, and in the state of Ohio, Ohio State football. I, I tell people it's like the third professional football team there. Like you have the Browns, the Bengals, and you have the Buckeyes. And to be honest, until Joe Burrow got to Cincinnati, like Ohio State football was bigger than Cincinnati Bengals football, mm-hmm. and that's in a large city and all, and that's very, very rare. And I think for a lot of schools like Boston College, and you look, you know. USC is a little different because they're a blue blood, but you look at Washington who had a couple of years where they struggled. Uh, University of Houston, I think has a big issue with this where it's like, unless you are really, really good, there's just too many other shows in town for your fan base, even your alumni base to pay attention to. So I think that's an interesting, you know, difficulty that Boston college has that even some of the smaller private schools in the ACC, like Wake Forest, Duke, uh, even Miami, doesn't really have Miami. They just don't care about any of the sports. Uh, So I I do think that's, that's interesting. Uh, You talked about 2007, 2000. Um, I would like you to know that you're looking at a kid who's Matt Ryan broke his heart. Um, So would you like to talk about that game and and maybe apologize for breaking little Sam's heart that night? Uh, I would. Um, I mean, cause that, that, that was brutal for i'm sure for hokey fans because everything was going up and i mean it looked like you you had matt ryan's number that game but hey in the end you, you got you got the ultimate revenge winning the acc uh, Did happen, yeah yeah because i i mean i remember watching both acc championship games at bc lost well i would you know also say it's kind of a yeah it's it's kind of a joke almost in in virginia tech fandom where it's like oh we hate matt ryan like when Matt Ryan's like clearly the nicest guy and, yep. you know, a great pro career and by all means is like a very easy to root for guy. And Virginia Tech just doesn't like him because he made one absolutely ridiculous play in yeah. that game. Yep. 
Well, he he ended up getting he ended up getting as a New England fan. He ended up getting his comeuppance against the Patriots as I watched my one of my favorite players in BC history get you know strip sacked <laughs> in the twenty eight to three Super Bowl loss and uh, you know I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I mean that's that's a play that's a game and a play that's not only part of Virginia Tech and Boston College lore. It's part of college football lore. Like if that play doesn't happen. Virginia Tech probably plays in a national title game that year. Um, yep. Now we're not going to talk about the team who won the title, beat Tech forty-two to three or something earlier in the year. We're, we'll just we just won't mention that part of it. <laughs> um, that LSU team had Tech's number. Uh, so let's talk a bit about Boston College as being a fan. What's your favorite tradition that Boston College has? Oh, it's the red bandana game. Uh... That that started after I graduated, so I didn't actually get to see it. Um, but I've, as a season ticket holder and someone who's covered it, it's the cool. It's one of the coolest things that BC's done. Um, BC has really lacked any sort of tradition in terms of a program. Like you know, they do like the gas and bell thing, where they you know they ring a bell every time they score a touchdown. That's that's what it is, right? But this is like a special thing. Um, every year, and I think they played they played Virginia Tech two years ago because that was the game where Jacoba came back and beat him in the Red mm-hmm. Bandana game. It's for uh, Wells Crowther, who uh, was a firefighter during 9-11, was a BC grad, played lacrosse at BC. And they wear Red Bandana uniforms um, because during the terrorist attacks on 9-11, he went back into the World Trade Center and brought people back out and ended up uh, dying when the the uh, buildings collapse, but people kept talking about him, uh, talking about a person with a red bandana uh, that was across his face to, to prevent from the smoke. And his mom knew who they were talking about when they were telling this story and they showed pictures to the survivors and they're like, that was him. And it was Wells Crowther. So BC wears these red bandana uniforms once a year. And now it's in every sport from football to volleyball to field hockey. They all wear red bandana uniforms. Um, it's just a special moment and it's a really cool tradition that BC has uh, that harkens back to a very special alumni graduate um, who, who, you know, obviously made a really big impact on the world and kind of just solidifies what BC is all about that, you know, the saying of the school motto of men and women for others. Uh, he, he, he was the shining example of that. So it's it's a very cool thing that the school does. It's my favorite tradition. Um, even though, you know, they 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 started off in 2014, and the first year they had it, they played the Trojans, USC Trojans, and they were ranked in the top ten, and BC beat them. So that kind of started off the tradition on the right foot. Uh, they beat FSU, they beat Miami with them, um, but they've all <laughs> they've also lost a, a really bad Kansas team. Uh, you know, they, they've lost some bad ones too, but. It, it, all in all, I think that's the coolest thing and, and the best tradition BC has. It's one of those rare traditions, the honor to be a part of it and like roots for their tradition, because a lot of traditions are so centric on the football team and, and like your team beating the other team is like the part of the tradition. And this yep. is one that's like so, so much bigger than the actual game being played. And I, I think that's makes it incredibly unique, but it also makes it like one of the cooler traditions in sports in American sports. Uh, so I, I, I think that's really awesome. I'm glad it's caught on every year. They get to kind of bring up that, that really important story. Is there anything about Boston, about being a Boston college fan in tradition quirks, history 
that I think the Boston College fandom holds dear that maybe the national landscape doesn't know. Uh, something that they hold dear that fans don't know. Um, that's a good question. I mean, uh, so, you know, I, I would, I would, I think back to every fan, like every fan base has their, their tailgaters, right. And your tailgaters, you know, start early and end late and, at BC, if you ever want to get this is also for fans that are traveling. If you have anyone going to this game, I get this message all the time from just random fan bases. Hey, how's this how's the tailgating situation there? It's great, but BC fans have to pay out the nose to tailgate there. Um, when I used to tailgate, I had a, a spot outside one of the parking garages where I could grill and do all that good stuff, but it was like fifteen hundred bucks a year. <laughs> It was so crazy. It's gone up since then. So, you know, I know BC fans don't get a lot of respect for their fandom compared to, you know, some of the other like crazier schools and even, you know, even within the ACC, but the fans that do that are so dedicated that they, they are, they're willing to give up a vacation basically to, to pay to, to, to tailgate. I did for years and I would, I would have done it again. I, if I didn't have two kids right now, I'd do it. Um, but that just shows that the people that do it and they're packed, the, 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 the lots are packed every single time with fans that will pay to do it. Um, it sucks on one hand because you don't want to spend that money, but it does show us some dedication from the fan base that really wants to be there. Yeah, it's, I, I've been to a game. Um, I believe it was the, the 2017 game, Virginia tech at Boston college went up with my dad. It was really interesting. I've never been, I've been to a, a good amount of away games. I've never been to one like that where we like parked at the New Balance headquarters and yep. took a literal school bus that yep. dropped us off like on the edge of campus. And then you just walk in. So it was a very, very interesting um, game day experience. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It, it makes it very worry-free from it. Like you go and park in this massive parking garage, you take a bus, it drops you right off. You walk through a gorgeous campus and you walk right up to your, your seat. Since you've been there, they've done some things too that have made it nicer for fans that don't tailgate. So, like you, you'd go and park at New Balance if you were to come. They have like beer trucks on campus and food trucks and stuff like that. So it's and and like bands playing. So they've they've amped up the the on on campus um, entertainment and and the ability for fans to just come on and just go, you know. So it, it is a different feel and it's, it's changed a lot and, and they're still building and, and adding to that experience. Cause for a long time, if you weren't a tailgater getting on campus for some fans, like they used to, I mean, the new balance field uh, state uh, new balance building that you're talking about is like a mile and a half away or not. I mean, maybe a little bit more than that. They used to have uh, used to be taking school buses from like 15, 20 minutes away. <laughs> it was so bad, uh, but they've changed that. So it's, it's been a nice uh, addition. So getting back to the field, uh, I've asked everyone this question, and the dominant story over college football this year before Connor Stallions in Michigan was conference realignment and the consolidation, I'll put that in quotes, consolidation of the sport. And it's put the ACC in a really interesting spot where they're kind of like, yeah, we're included, but not really right now. And this is a really fluid topic. And I just wanted to get your sense of, where does Boston College fit? I, I I feel like things are okay right now. 
I don't, you know, I know Florida state and, um, and Clemson are, are thinking they're going to try to get out of the, their grant of rights deal. And I just don't see that happening anytime soon, but I, I feel like this is going to be kind of like a wave, right? Right now you're seeing like these big super conferences that are being built. And, but you're also seeing at the same time, media rights deals are starting to, to taper a little bit where you're, you saw ESPN saying no to the SEC for more uh, conference games because they don't want to spend that money. At some point between now and when I think the Big Ten's deal ends in 2030, um, I think you're going to see some of these bigger conferences break away again. And I I think like you'll see, and it could still be super conferences, but teams like, I look at like the Big Ten, right? Teams like Rutgers, Indiana, uh, Purdue, they're not going to fit the the mold of what Michigan, Oregon, USC are doing. And I feel like the media companies are going to start pairing those away. So you're going to get more conferences again. And it's, it's, it's all going to be cyclical. It's not going to, this. we're not going to end up with this like end product of like, you know, these two big conferences and that's it. That's all that matters. I think it's going to be something different. Um, and yeah, probably Florida state and Clemson will be gone by that point. But I think that that in itself, you're going to see the ACC still survive because as you said with Virginia tech, right? Like these other conferences are not going to take on many of the, the teams that are in the Atlantic coast conference, like teams like NC state, Pitt, Syracuse, BC, even Virginia tech. I just don't see it. Like none of these schools offer a ton that they're going to want to just jump for. So the ACC will survive. It's just going to be a different version of the ACC. And honestly, like, if the I think the next the other big thing that is going to happen is I think the Big Twelve will start to pair away some of the teams too, and you could see in a couple of years like West Virginia joining, and then it's like we're back to where we were with the Big East again with like you know West Virginia and some of these other schools, but with the addition of some Western stuff. So it's it's all I, I'm I'm not as doom and gloom. I know and deep down of like they went to two super conferences and everyone else was like thrown to the wolves. BC screwed. They're not, they're not in a good spot there, but I just don't see it. I, I think that things are in better shape than people think they are. Yeah. I, I don't see the, I don't see the premiership of college football. I, I don't see that being one, a viable business for the TV execs. And, and two, I don't see it being viable for the sport because you know, what makes the sport, what it is, is that there's so much diversity and there's upsets out of nowhere like that's what makes college football the product that it is and i just you're not going to get that with if you consolidate it to 30 even 40 teams uh i also think you're right we might get to a point where we are like well this conference is a little big what if we just took the teams in the you know mid-atlantic and northeast and why don't we put them together and then the teams in the southeast go together the teams in the midwest and then the teams in the like we're going to end up getting back to regions is pretty much like this is gonna it's gonna water is going to find its level and um you know i i just hope in the intermediary we you know the 12 team playoff i think is going to be great for the sport um i hope we continue to to see how important you know 
how important Tulane being really good at football is, how important the Mountain West is, how important Oregon State having back-to-back-to-back really good seasons is. So that's that's my hope for it. Um, I think the Hokies will be fine. I think the Eagles, um, you know, I'm, I'm just worried about winning on Saturdays. Exactly. Totally agree with you there. Yeah. So let's let's talk about winning on Saturdays. Boston College, uh, six and three. First off, I'll ask: Did you expect to be six and three heading into this game? No. <laughs> okay. I didn't, uh, I didn't. I didn't think you did. As someone who's done a daily podcast, the the tenor of my podcast from after the Louisville game, I think it was the third loss. They've won everything since. Uh, compared to now, is very different. I mean, every even Jeff Halfley has mentioned it, like. When you after they lost forty eight to twenty eight, I think it was to Louisville. But I mean, their defense was awful in that game. Uh, it felt like we we're just treading water to get to the end of the year, and halfway was gone. It just felt, you know, going into the season, we knew that if they didn't make a bowl, that he was done. Um, and he's not only has he done it, <laughs> you know, he, he he if BC keeps winning and. You know, Virginia Tech, is, it's a, you know, if you look at the line, it's pretty even. Pitt's bad. And Miami's falling apart. There's a potential BC could win eight or nine games this season, which is incredible given they started the season losing to NIU. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's quite the turnaround. And, and you've seen the turnaround happen because of two big reasons. First of all, what they've done with their offensive line compared to what happened last year. And, and they were, it was a horror show at, uh, at Lane Stadium last year, just the way they played. But BC had no offensive line last year. They had all, you know, the five guys leave or get hurt. They had all their backups get hurt. Like they were playing walk-ons, converted defensive linemen. They were dead last in rushing yards, last in the country, and not even close if you look at the stats. And this year, they're 10th in the country in rushing yards because their offensive line has been really good. Um, they, they brought in a couple transfers that, you know, the, Christian Mahogany's back. He blew his knee out last year. He's, and then the two guys that were there last year who were four-star recruits have developed, which is what you want. So there's that. And then there's defense is playing much better. And Thomas Castellanos, who I think everyone's going to want to watch on Saturday, um, is a winner. He's, his stats aren't showing it more recently. He's made a, quite a few mistakes and his passing is a little bit more suspect than you'd want. But, you know, against Syracuse, he struggles, 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 and then gets the ball back with four minutes and just jams the ball down their throat and, and wins the game for him. And that's happened like four out of the five games that they played, you know, during this win streak. He just wins. So it's all that that has changed from when they were at one and three and you're, everyone's going, fire Halfley, fire Halfley, fire Halfley to this. And so it's a very different feel around the program right now. Hey guys, this is Ali Jennings III, wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. Is it, and this is the argument against Boston College, and you know I've brought it up. I, I know the preview, Billy Ray and Pat on the on the Sunday Saturday preview brought it up. BC's won these games 
by one score against not very good teams. Right. I that's that definitely has to be taken into account. But I think from the Boston College side, you're just saying, hey, we're winning the games on the schedule and wins are wins. They count the same whether you win by seven or 70. Right. Is like what level of the competition mixed with the margin of victory like worries you? Or are you just saying like, wow, this is we're winning football games? I think it's a really interesting aspect to be in as a fan versus as an analyst, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely true. I think there's a, there's a, there's a truth in the middle, right? Uh, we, someone was saying to me that BC is the worst six, six and three team in the country. Right. I, I, it's hard to argue if you just look at stats, but they're, they're winning these games. Right. Um, and the, the, when you, if you want to dive into the stats, there's a big issue that's going on. That's preventing them from winning by more. And that's just finishing off drives. They make some mistakes. They get themselves out of bad positions and they blow drives. I mean, like look at the statistics against UConn um, and in Syracuse the last two weeks. I mean, I think it was last week, BC had the ball for 44 minutes. Like they just drive and drive and drive, but they weren't finishing drives. Like they had been against like Georgia tech where Castellanos went crazy or even against Louisville when they got blown out, they were still scoring the ball pretty efficiently. So, yeah, I you know, they're not winning the way that they should. And as someone who covers the team and as, you know, someone who likes them too, it's it, it takes years off your life watching them because you're like, are they going to really lose to UConn? You're feeling that when you're watching it. But they, they, they end up pulling it off and winning these games. So I, I wait for them to be exposed. But I also, with Castellanos, who's the, I think, in my personal opinion, the big catalyst of why these games are close because – He's made some mistakes that have really cost them. If he can clean things up and if they can fix the offense a little bit to get him more into his zone, like I think that will help. Um, but it, it's definitely there's val- validation uh, to both points. And 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 to la- my last thought on that is, I've seen fans say, based off of what you were saying, like they're beating bad teams. I still want Halfley fired because they should be winning by more. <laughs> And it's like, you, you can't do both. I mean, like the guys won six game, five games in a row. Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, you, you, yeah, you want style points, but BC's never been about style points. It's just winning. No. It's about winning games. And that's all. I mean, you mentioned the 2007 um, ACC championship. What was it? I mean, uh, not ACC. Yeah, and game, I'll, I'll tell 14, you, AJ, 10? I'll tell you, AJ, as a Cleveland Browns fan and a Virginia Tech football fan as of late, don't ever, ever apologize for wins. Right. You take every win you can get and you exactly. don't apologize for it. And I, I a very good team. I, I personally don't think so. I haven't seen it, but six and three, it's a big improvement from last year. I mean, last year's team for BC is probably three and six right now, you, totally. you know? So um, yeah. there, there is, there is improvement and, um, I, I think it'll be an interesting end to the season. Uh, as for the game on Saturday, Boston College is pretty beat up. Um, there, there are some injuries in the running back room, but Cassianos, how is he doing? Because he's taken a lot of hits this season. Um, well, Halfley today said that he's healthy. I The way he's played and the way that they've schemed him, I tend to think that there may be uh, – he is a little banged up. Um, you know, 
when you look back at the beginning of his run, the games against Florida State, Louisville, Georgia Tech, you know, he would go back to pass, not first reads, not there, tuck it, run, and he'd get like 10 yards every time. Or, you know, he'd make big plays. Now they have him standing back there, which I, I'm not a big fan of. The guy's 5'10", and he's, you know, a little guy. Um, but he's a little bit more hesitant than I've noticed um, in terms of tucking it and running it until, until the last drive of the game when he just does that and just wins the game for you. But he should be healthy, but I still think he's a little banged up. And the running back room is, is I think, the biggest injury uh, concern too because – Pat Gawa went into the season as their starting running back. He's out for the year uh, with some injury. We don't know what it is because staff never tells us. Um, <laughs> then Kai Robichaux, who was transferred from Western Kentucky, he's been the starting running back for most of the year. Um, he got blasted last week by Alex Barron of uh, Syracuse um, and fumbled it. But, I mean, he it was not targeting. I give him credit for that. But he just got blasted. It was, and, it was, it was a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but Halfley said today that he expects him to be back. So I'm guessing it was a concussion. Usually it's like eight days. So they played on Friday. He should be good to go. Um, he, and then Alex Broom, who also missed last week, he should be good to go. Again, I take everything Halfley says with on terms of injuries with a grain of salt because he usually just says everyone's hopeful, and that could mean they're out for the season or they could be ready to play. I have, as someone who who goes to you know a lot of press conferences, talks to him. He's so guarded with that stuff. I don't have a clue what he's talking about because it's not clear, but it sounds like that. That's the big, you know, other, other than that, you lost your starting tight end, George Takis, but he isn't, I mean, other than pass blocking, he hasn't been really good. Ryan O'Keefe was fine, but they've yeah. got another bunch of wide receivers who can do what he does. I think they're healthy other than that running back room. Now running back room to me is the big one to watch for. That's interesting. Um, I know last week, Virginia Tech fans, there was a lot of news that Louisville had some injuries. Mm -hmm. um, that news wasn't totally accurate <laughs> once game time happened, and I don't think it really mattered, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so we'll get into a quick kind of predictions for this game. For Virginia Tech, It's the, step one is getting off the bus. This team has been horrific in road games under Brent Pry. They're 1-9 in Brent Pry's 10 road games. They didn't show up to start against Florida State. It's a very good Florida State team. They never were in the game against Louisville. Um, and quite frankly, they mentally did not look engaged. They did not look ready to play. Now you're going to a long road trip to Boston College. You're a tired team. I, I think if, if Boston College wins this game, no disrespect to the players for Boston College, I think it would be more because Virginia Tech wasn't ready to play when the whistle blew because that seems to be the biggest issue with this team over the past two seasons is road games and getting ready to play. Um, on the other side of that, if Tech comes ready to play, I think they match up really well with Boston College because the two teams Virginia Tech has played that are, I wouldn't say one-dimensional, but they, they rely heavily on the quarterback making a lot of plays. That's Wake Forest and Syracuse. They've demolished those teams. So I think this is a team Virginia Tech you know, matches up very well with. It's a defensive line that doesn't create a lot of havoc and a lot of sacks. It's, you know, a team that doesn't throw the ball particularly well. I think it's a good matchup. But again, AJ, it's all about whether the Hokies can show up off the bus. Because if the team that plays against Louisville shows up again this week, uh, Boston College is going to run for a lot of yards. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I want to, what, what I want to watch too is, is the, 
defensive line of Virginia Tech against BC's offensive line. As I mentioned, BC's offensive line has been really good this year. Um, and you know, if they're if Lua, if Virginia Tech is as you said not engaged, that they're going to be in for a long game because BC can just drag mm-hmm. out long drives. They're just gonna. They, they, they basically make, you know, I think I saw a stat today, BC in the fourth quarter has outscored opponents 79 to 14 or wow. something like that. So like they're a fourth quarter team. They just blow away teams at the end because they just grind it out and, and wear you down. Um, I worry a guy like Bashel Tutin, uh, I look at him and I say, that's a guy reminds me a little bit of Jawar Jordan of, um, of, Louisville in terms of just of explosiveness and Jordan had a real big game against BC. Will BC's defense continue the, the upward momentum that they have because they played really well. But again, if you watch the Syracuse game last week, they let up two big explosive runs um, that kind of stuff. They can't do the margin of wins are so small right now for BC in these, in these games, they've got to be able to, to, to put things away. I don't I think for BC, keeping the offense on the field, but the big thing for them is finishing off drives, right? Like you can have, you know, eight minute long drives that get you for, you know, they're caught, con- they constantly go forward on fourth down because they, they can own the, the line of scrimmage, but you got to get points out of it. If they can get points, I feel like they're going to hang into this game and, and potentially win it. But if they, if they continue to like leave drives bear without those points that's going to be a big issue for the eagles uh i could say the same thing for virginia tech the red zone offense has not been good this year there have been a lot of field goals um a lot of times where they march right down the field they get in the red zone and they hand the ball off three times they gain four yards and they kick a field goal so they've got to figure out something in the red zone virginia tech does not only for this game but going forward um if we're going to do quick prediction up at about 35 minutes, I feel – I can't believe I'm saying this, how Virginia Tech has played on the road and they're playing at Boston College. I feel really good about this game for Virginia Tech because I like the matchups. Um, I, I told I told the guys today, 27-13 Virginia Tech. I think Tech just makes a few more big plays and is able to – they've been really good against one-dimensional teams, and if you can make Boston College throw – they haven't been a very good throwing team and obvious throwing downs this year. One of the worst in the ACC tech can get them into those situations. The pass defense is very, very good. My one caveat is there's also a world where Boston college runs all over Virginia tech. That is a very real possibility. Yeah. I mean, we, um, one of the biggest running jokes on my podcast, when I have my uh, co-host Mitchell Wolf of Eagle insider on with me, We've said over and over that every BC game feels like uh, Doctor Strange and uh, the Infinity Wars, where there's a million different outcomes. Which one's going to be the one? Um, it just feels like that for every BC game. Like there could be a BC blowout. They could play poorly and get blown out. They could be close. They could lose close. You know, it's like what's going to happen? It's so hard to tell with this team. Um, I, that being said, uh, you know, statistics. I look at statistics, and and yeah, you're right. Like Virginia Tech may have some edges here. Um, I don't think BC is as, I mean, they're, they're one-sided at, at one point, but like, they're also, they have the talent to throw the ball when they need to. Uh, Castellanos has thrown for eight, 1,800 yards this year. Um, he, if he can be accurate, he can be a big problem. Um, he's, he's hit a rough patch though in his passing game. So that's something that I want to watch. Um, I, I look to the, the defense for BC and 
I look at a guy like Elijah Jones. I think he's a one that I really want to watch against Chiron drones who has had his moments. Uh, but Elijah Jones ha- is one of the leading defenders in the country right now in terms of interceptions, pass defense. He's allowed four receptions for 24 yards over his last four games. And he's playing against top wide receivers at each time he goes out there. So I, you know, he got bullied a, a lot last year and I'm sure if you looked at the Virginia tech tip film, he probably got bullied there too, uh, but he's grown quite a bit. Um, so I'm looking for the defense. If they can make a, a turnover or two, like they did against Syracuse and add that um, a, ability to, to, to capitalize, that could be a big game. It's going to be a lot of emotion for BC this game. They're really pumped to be back on campus and the fans are starting to get behind them. So um, it, alumni stadium can be quiet at times. I don't expect that to be that way on Saturday. It'll be a big game for both teams. Virginia Tech feels like they need this game in order to make a bowl. You don't want to have to beat NC State and UVA to end the season. And for Boston College, again, coming back home, an opportunity to kind of shock the college football world and get themselves an eight or nine win season. AJ, thank you so much for joining. It's been a blast. Uh, I hopped on AJ's show. Uh, I think it's on YouTube, uh, Locked On Boston College. Talk a little bit about the game. He does an awesome job previewing everything Boston College sports. So, AJ, thank you so much for joining me. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for